All right, let's uh, let's get at it. Another edition of the Employment Law Show. Good to have you along. Lior is here, uh, co-founding partner, Sam Firu, to Mark and LLP. And if you caught your local news there, you might have caught that little interesting uh, piece of serendipity, the passing of Howard Hessman at 81 uh, WKRP in Cincinnati. And for the first time since 88, Cincinnati Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. So a little tip of the hat, kind of weird, but I uh, thought that was uh, was kind of cool. But we got lots to cover on the uh, show today, Lior. It's going to be a big show, big show. Uh, mistakes employers make because... Well, they just don't know any better, but we will educate them. We will educate you. If you want to uh, chime in and ask some questions, we'd love to hear from you here live, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. That's how you do that. And help at employmentlawyer.ca through email. All our good listeners in uh, Edmonton and B.C. and Calgary and and, and Vancouver, we love having you all in here. So uh, feel free to, uh, to chime in and grab a phone and talk to us, ask your questions. So much to get through, so let's get rocking and rolling my friend what do you got uh, happening right off the top hey john uh, always great uh, to be back to talk employment mm-hmm. law and if you're one of the many many people that i know has questions about your job about your workplace situation about the threats or ultimatums that maybe you're facing in the workplace my gosh what a great opportunity you have to pick up yeah. the phone to call right now to get some answers so that you know when you go to bed in a few hours you'll feel better Okay, you'll be more calm, you'll be more relaxed, you'll know what to do, what to say tomorrow if you're going back to work. So take advantage, call us right now on the show. Or maybe you had a chat with your friend or cousin or neighbor uh, last week and you know they're having a workplace problem. Well, pick up the phone again, call them and say, tune in right now to the radio. There's a question and answer session there. You can call in with your questions. So make sure that whoever needs to get this information gets this information. It's important Mm -hmm. stuff. And, of course, if you want to reach out to me and have a private chat, not just to talk on radio, not a prompt, perfectly fine to do that. You can call, you can email, and we'll give you that contact information throughout the show. But, as always, always like to start with a couple situations that came across my desk. first matter I'll talk to you about was uh, a gentleman who, uh, late last year, decided to get uh, both doses of the COVID vaccines. He wasn't keen on it, but he decided to do it because his employer gave him an ultimatum. So he wanted to keep his job, so he he got both shots. So he continued working, everything's fine. Well, last week his employer said, well, now we need all employees to get their booster shots. If you want to continue, you got to get that booster shot. Well, he felt that that's a bit too much, and he, he felt like... He doesn't want to get it. He's not comfortable with the booster. So he called me while really just wanting to know what are his rights. So this is an important issue. And I know that a lot of you right now that even those that are fully vaccinated, you may be concerned or wondering what happens if my employer insists on a booster. Do I have to? Do I not? So let's be very clear that ultimately if your employer chooses to let you go or to suspend you, because you don't have your booster, or frankly, because you don't have the first uh, two doses, you can't stop that from happening, right? You cannot physically stop your employer from letting you go in this situation. But, and this is the big one, if you are let go or are suspended in this situation, you're going to be entitled to severance, okay? You're going to be entitled to severance. They're going to have to compensate you. They cannot just put you on an unpaid leave They cannot let you go for cause, i.e. without severance. No, that's not possible. So that applies with respect to the booster shot, and that also applies with respect to the first two doses of the vaccine. So either way, unless there's a government mandate, if you choose not to be vaccinated, whatever reason, 
ultimately you will lose your job very likely because you can't stop your employer. But again, severance has to be paid. And remember, certainly right now, there are, there's no government mandate as applies uh, uh, with respect to boosters. There's some very, very limited mandates that apply to the first two doses, but nothing with respect to boosters. So ultimately, you have to decide, are you prepared to lose your job? If you are, you are going to be compensated. If you don't get that compensation, you got to give me a call and I'll get to work. That brings about a very interesting question, which I'm sure a ton of our listeners might even phone and ask you as well, but I'm going to ask it right now. You just said it's the two mandatory vaccines, not the boosters. I think we can all eventually, maybe not that long from now, Lior, see on the horizon that the third dose will be called fully vaccinated eventually, meaning you got to have three instead of two. I see that on the horizon. I've already heard rumblings of it. Does that change the equation at all for employers or employees uh, as far as you're dealing with them? It's a great question, and it only changes the analysis if the government mandates it for workplaces. Gotcha. So if the government says to, to have this job, you have to be fully vaccinated, and fully vaccinated means having the booster shot, then your employer at that point doesn't have a choice. And if your employer doesn't have a choice, they're able to let you go and not pay you if you choose not to be fully vaccinated. But I would be shocked, John, if there's going to be ever a government mandate that imposes a requirement for a third shot. Employers may choose to do that, right? but then they'll have to pay severance to those employees that lose their job. But I do not see the government actually doing that. Again, toll-free, anytime you have questions about this vaccine or otherwise with your employment uh, employment questions, call us now, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. Email address is good, help at employmentlawyer.ca. What's the uh, what's the second matter you gotta got to talk about? Yeah, so I spoke with a lady. She had been off for about a year because of a medical condition with doctor support, not nothing very controversial. She's been off getting treatment, taking medications, working on getting better. Well, all of a sudden, out of the blue, she gets sent a record of employment, uh, the ROE, by her employer. And that record of employment says, quit, you've resigned. Hmm. So she obviously does the right thing. And she calls her employer and says, well, wait a second. Well, what is this? I didn't quit. I'm just off on a medical leave. So her employer says, well, you, you've been gone for so long that we now have the right to treat you, to consider you to have quit. So ultimately, she called me and she wanted to know, is that right? Can they now consider her to have quit? She'd been off for about a year. So John, hopefully you know, and I hope our regular listeners know, that the answer is absolutely not. No, they cannot do that. She can be off pretty much as long as needed, so long as she has her doctor's support, so long as she's working on getting better and and trying to get back to work, and there's no cutoff time. So what did this employer do? By considering her to have quit, they've actually terminated her employment. So not only are they going to have to pay her severance, that's potentially a human rights violation. They're letting it go because she's off on a disability leave. So this employer is going to have a hefty bill to pay, uh, significant damages that they owe this employee, and for what? For nothing. Mm-hmm. All they had to do is let her be, let her get better, and then when she was ready to come back to work, see what they have available. Try to integrate her back in the workplace. But there's an important lesson there for everyone. But for employees, understand this. If you have a doctor's note, you can be off. You're not considered to have quit just because you're off on a medical leave for a long time. You can't lose your job just because you are sick. Uh, If that's what happens, there's going to be significant financial consequences 
to the employer. She was off for a year, but obviously they uh, the employer went down the wrong road. What is the framework for what you would call a frustration of contract if it's been a very long time? So at some point, the absence becomes too long, and really there's no prospect of returning. So if two things happen, long absence, usually we're talking two years or more, number one, so long absence. Number two, no, no possibility or no likelihood of return. In those situations, been off long, no, no likelihood of return, the employer can say, you know what, now the employment contract, the employment relationship has become frustrated. We're, we're not picking on you, but because you're not going to be able to come back to work, the employment relationship has just ended and we don't have to pay you anything. By the way, John, a lot of employers jump the gun and they use the words frustration of contract well before they should. Uh, so if your employer does that, we need to talk. Anytime you lose your job, we need to talk, certainly if you're off on a disability leave. Does that lady come back to her? Do they have to hold her original job for her when she comes back? Never mind having let her go. That was dumb. But if she went back, does it have to be the same job or can they move her somewhere else? Because they got to run a business, right? They got to run a business. Absolutely. So what happens is when she's ready to come back to work, they have to make mm-hmm. all efforts to, to, to see if they can integrate her back into the old position. If that doesn't exist or it's not available, they need to see if they can find something similar. If there isn't, at that point and only in that point can they consider a termination of employment. And you should do exactly that. If you have questions, would love to talk to you. one 399 Lines are open. Bring it on, whether you're in Alberta or B.C. Welcome. Come on in. Water's warm. You want to send an email, we'll try to get to some of those later, uh, a little later on in the day. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. And as uh, Lior and I always mention, uh, there's a website built just for you. It's free. It's anonymous called pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. You have severance questions. The severance pay calculator is built into that. Are you a contractor, not a contractor? As Have you been wrongfully dismissed? There's so much information on there. It's, it's free. It, it's easy. Just read the stuff. You'll be that much smarter when it comes to your employment law rights. But you can always call the show and have a discussion here right now. But for this afternoon, the topic, as mentioned, mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better. Let's get to a bunch of these, Lior. Really important stuff here in between our phone calls. We'll try to get through as many of these as we can. Number one, terminate unvaccinated employees without severance. Going back to how we started, right? Absolutely. And over the past I don't know, six, seven, eight months, that's probably been the most common mistake that I've seen employers make. And let's be clear, employers are not making this mistake. They're not terminating people without severance because they're bad, because they're trying to hurt someone. They genuinely believe that they're within their legal right to do so. They believe it's the right thing. So let's talk about that and let's be very, very clear here. I know a lot of people, employers and employees, are very interested and curious about this. So an employer can choose to let go of an unvaccinated employee. They can but it comes with legal consequences. It comes with the obligation to pay the employee severance, potentially other damages, but let's kind of park that to the side and let's focus on severance because that's, that's the obvious one. If you choose to let an employee go because of their vaccine status, because that wasn't a term of employment, that is something that you have to now pay severance for. And that severance is a substantial amount. It could be as much as 24 months pay. Somehow employers got in their mind that the employee's refusal to get the vaccine is considered just cause for dismissal. In other words, that it allows them to let the employee go without severance. Mm. No, that's not the case. 
Now, I understand why they would think that. You know, we hear about vaccines everywhere, and government's encouraging everyone to get vaccines. Absolutely. And to be clear, there's a good, good, good reason, really good reason to be vaccinated. But despite that, if you ultimately let an employee go because of their vaccine status, unless there's a government mandate, and there's very, very few of those, you have to pay their full severance. And that's a, a hefty bill that employers are now starting to understand that they have to pay. You know, John, my firm alone represents a few hundred people across Canada in this exact situation. If you're mm-hmm. put in that situation, uh, let's talk about it. And by the way, same thing happens if you're put on an unpaid leave. An unpaid leave can be considered a constructive dismissal. If you've been put on an unpaid leave, you can choose to treat that as a termination. If that's what you want to do, let's chat about it. Let's get severance. But, John, I've seen this mistake, employers terminating unvaccinated employees without severance again and again, and I think I'm going to continue seeing it uh, in the next few months as well. Yeah, and if you want to uh, have a chat with uh, Lior and a member of his team anytime when the show's not doing so, and uh, you can have a little more of a lengthy private chat, it's easy. one 855 Same email, help at employmentlawyer.ca. But, uh, yeah, here and now, one 399 Talk about uh, mistakes employers make because they really don't know any better. And this one, we've it was it was almost the reason. In fact, it might have been the reason why we started this show you know, a decade ago. And that is that employers, again, you can't blame them for this, but they rely on government advice when it comes to their legal obligations, right? Yeah, and this is very important. Uh, and, and you know, generally, the, the initial concern was employers may rely on, on uh, legal advice with respect to or or uh, government advice with respect to how much they owe an yep. employee. Yep. Uh, so you may, the, the employer may call the government, the Employment Standards Branch, the Ministry of Labor, and say, we have this employee, been with us for three years, how much do we owe them? Yeah, you probably get the advice three weeks, except that is wrong. The minimum entitlements may be three weeks, Your, the full entitlements may be six months. So government can't rely on, uh, oh, sorry, the employer can't rely on government advice with respect to termination. But over the past number of months, I've seen something else. I've seen employers rely on government advice with respect to vaccines as well. You know, we've heard all kinds of government, including the prime minister, says that you know, we'll, we'll protect employers from lawsuits if they uh, terminate employees. Well, no, that's never happened. Okay, so you have to do your homework. The government has never implemented such a law. So an employer that does terminate an employee because of their vaccine status, as I said before, can be sued and will be sued if they don't pay what they owe. So for employers, you can't just rely on government for advice in terms of how to deal with your employees. It's not the government's obligation or even ability to advise you on your legal obligations. You have to inform yourself. You have to get your own legal advice. And if you don't do that, you may find out when it's too late that you owe your employees a lot more. Yeah, you know, and point number three here kind of dovetails nicely into that, and it is when terminating employees, employers often, they, they just don't understand the difference between common law, which we discuss, and the ESA. Very important. So I'm sure that uh, may, many people have heard of the Employment Standards Act in Alberta, the Empl- Employment Standards Code. And what, what is employment standards? Well, employment standards stipulates certain minimums that every employee has, minimum wage, the minimum amount of vacation you can get, and it also outlines the minimum amount of termination compensation that you're owed if you lose your job. Mm-hmm. But that is only a minimum, and every employee is entitled to much, much more than that. 
So if an employer doesn't understand, say, okay, well, the Employment Standards Code says I owe someone two weeks, so I'll give them two weeks. Problem solved. No, you can't do that because their full entitlements under what we call our common law could be 10 times that. So employers often don't understand that distinction and that gets them into trouble. Not because they're bad, because they don't know any better. So how do you find out right now if you're an employee, how much you're owed? Or if you're an employer, how much you owe an employee? Mm -hmm. Easy. All you do is you go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Again, it's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. First thing you'll see there is our severance calculator tool, and you can use that. It's free. It's anonymous. You don't have to put in names or credit card numbers, and it's there to advise how much someone is owed if you lose your job, if the person is let go, regardless of the reason. So check it out. There's no excuse to make that mistake and pay someone two weeks when they're owed 20. Uh, Now, honestly, John, there's really no excuse for that. You know, it's interesting because a lot of people, I know we've had phone calls, people say, I get that, Leorne, it sounds good on the side of an employee that I'm going to get so much more than I thought I would based on the, uh, you know, the ESA. But how is the common law, how is that based? Like, how do you know these numbers to, to make your severance pay calculator? What is the common law? What's the history of it? So common law is judge-made law. So over the past 150 years, uh, courts have decided what employees are entitled in all these situations. And the courts have decided that if an employee is owed, we're going to look at a few factors, including their age, their position, and the length of their employment. And on that basis, we'll determine whether someone is owed two months severance, 24 months severance, or something in between. So as an employment lawyer, I know what the courts have done in pretty much every situation. And I can tell you, okay, in your situation, you're going to be owed this much severance. That is what common law is. And that's what your full entitlements are. So Frankly, the Employment Standards uh, Act, the Employment Standards Code in Alberta, irrelevant when it comes to your termination entitlements. Irrelevant. Because it only outlines a small portion of what you're owed. So don't worry about that. Employers get this wrong. Employees get this wrong. And we're here to, to educate you and hopefully make you understand that you're owed much, much more. It'd be nice if there's a big yellow banner across the government website saying, oh, by the way, this isn't all you get. But I guess that's not going to happen anytime soon, right? Unfortunately not, so that's what we're here to hopefully fill in that gap, John. You bet, and we're so glad to have you back here, whether you're in Alberta or B.C. Lior Samfiru, co-founding partner, Samfiru Tamarkin LLP. Reach out. He can help you. His crew can help you. have helped tens of thousands of Canadians across this country. Employment law rights, just navigating those often confusing waters, especially now in the last couple of years, right? But uh, but don't hesitate. Seriously, one 855 821 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca but always we keep saying it our callers our listeners are our top priority during this hour and in that regard thanks for standing by joe you're uh, you're up first how are you really good thank you very much uh, you bet i'm uh, i'll give you the background i'm uh, about 59 years old i work in a senior management position been there for about 16 years a new hire is coming on very soon and my and my uh, boss has uh, decided, uh, really without my consent, because I don't believe it to be the right decision, she's decided to transfer approximately 30% of my duties to this new individual. And and again, this isn't necessarily an awful thing. Uh, my hours aren't being reduced. My pay is not being adjusted uh, negatively. Uh, I guess my first question is, is that any grounds for a constructive dismissal and secondly, if 
this doesn't work out, which I don't believe it's going to. I think the individuals being that's coming on is being asked to do an awful lot uh, in, in that job description. If my boss ends up coming cap in hand to me to uh, put these duties back on my plate, how, what what can I do to protect myself in you know in the short run or the longer run? So it's a great, all a great question. So in terms of whether or not this could be a constructive dismissal, it would depend on whether this change uh, results in some sort of a reduction in stature in the workplace, a reduction in status. So if it could be seen as embarrassing or if it could be seen as a demotion internally, then yeah, it could be a constructive dismissal. If someone would say, well, you know, what's going on with Joe? Was He's been demoted. He must have done something wrong. If that's the effect of what they've done, and, and we can show that that's what's happened, then it could be a constructive dismissal. Uh, and if that's the case, then then you could pursue that. Now, if that's not the case, then it wouldn't be a constructive dismissal. You continue working. And the question becomes, you know, what happens to your, to your job if this uh, other person doesn't work out? So the best way to protect yourself uh, is to send a, a note you know, email works just fine here to your employer saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm accepting this new role. I'm going to continue working, but this is my new role. And I'm not going to agree to changes to this role unless we discuss them together and agree to them together. What you're doing there is you're, you're essentially taking ownership of this new role. It becomes the new term of employment. And your employer at some point is not going to be able to come back to you and say, well, now we're going to add an extra 30% on top of that. So you want to send that email making it clear that you're not going to agree to accept changes unless, of course, it's it's something that's mutual. Uh, that's the best way, probably the only way to protect you. And there is that option, as I said, as a constructive dismissal, if you can uh, uh, consider this to be a demotion. Right, right. Oh, thank you very much. That, that is very helpful, Leo. I appreciate your time. No problem. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate your time as well calling through. Any other information for a uh, further chat? No problem. Here's how you do that. one 821 5900 But right here, you know, one 399 9898 is how you call through like Joe and ask your questions. Anthony, thanks for standing by. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, brother. What's uh, what's on your mind today? Thanks for taking my call. Um, I have a question. I'm a, uh, I'm employed right now. I'm a business analyst, uh, middle management, and I'm currently assigned to a, uh, a reorg, reorganization project that uh, is under an NDA. I signed that NDA. Uh, my question is, if I uh, violated that NDA, would that be grounds for just cause dismissal? So it's an NDA, non-disclosure agreement, that you sign with your employer so as to allow you to work on a specific project, correct? Correct, yes. So generally, yes, in the sense that, uh, you know, there's a good reason why they would need confidentiality and, could you know, it could be a very, very bad if certain things come to light. So it could absolutely be grounds for dismissal. That said... Every situation is different in that depending on what you did and, and who you disclosed information to, was it a tiny little bit of information and was it maybe to someone that uh, is you know already somewhat in the know, it may not be a big deal. But if you go and you post stuff on the internet, you know that could be a big deal. So the devil's in the details, but it absolutely could be cause for dismissal if you breach the terms of the non-disclosure agreement. All right. Thank you. 
Thanks, Anthony. Appreciate that. Again, if you're puzzled by anything else, don't hesitate to reach out to uh, to Lior and his very capable team any other time. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. Email is fine, or if you prefer to call, you could do that, one 821 5900 Still have plenty of time here uh, today to call through, like Joe and Anthony, and get some quick answers. Takes uh, just a couple minutes to get you on the right road and in the right direction. Toll free, one 877 In between that, Lior, back to our mistakes employers make because, well, they just don't know any better. And this one, you can't hammer this one home enough, and that is put employees on a temporary layoff thinking that this is allowed. John, over the past two years since we've been in this pandemic, uh, thousands, if not tens of thousands of people across the country have been put at some point on a temporary layoff. And with so many people being put on a temporary layoff, it's easy to think that, well, I guess that must be allowed because I know I know so many people that have been in right. that situation, so yeah. it has to be right. Not everyone can be wrong. Well, no, everyone can be wrong because of the fact that in almost every situation in a non-union environment, a temporary layoff is not actually allowed. A temporary layoff can be treated as a termination. It could be treated as a termination on day one of the layoff. You don't have to wait a certain number of weeks before it becomes a termination. You can choose to treat that as a termination on day one. And Yes, we know that employees don't necessarily uh, know that, but employers don't necessarily know that. Mm-hmm. Employers often get surprised. They assume that they have a right to put employees on a temporary layoff without consequences when, in fact, that's not the case. So a temporary layoff is a termination. And a lot of employers over the past two years have learned that the hard way. They put employees on a temporary layoff, assuming that they could, and then employees come back and say, no, well, now you have to pay me severance. Now I'm treating, I'm treating this as a termination and moving on to another job. And that employer has to pay. So if you're on a temporary layoff now, uh, or maybe you're going to be one, on one in the future, you have to understand this. And if you're one of those people that's still on a COVID-19 temporary layoff, you still haven't been called back to work, you have a right now, if you want, to say enough is enough. I'm, cho- I'm choosing to treat this as a termination. I'm not just going to sit at home and hope and wait that you call me back. I am making the decision to treat this as a termination of my employment and get severance. You can do that if you're put on a temporary layoff. You don't have to wait at all. If you're in that situation, if you've had enough, let's talk right away. Is this something that, from an employer standpoint, because we're kind of enlightening employers as well with this uh, this subject this afternoon, is this something an employer can do before they pull the trigger that they can be preemptive and put it in an employment contract saying, you know, this gives me the right to put you on a temporary layoff, Mr. Employee? Yes. So a smart employer, if they want right. to, can put right in the employment offer letter and the, uh, the term, uh, employment contract a term that says, we have a right to put you on a temporary layoff if we choose. If you did sign an employment agreement that says that, then yes, your employer can do that. And there's not much that you can do about it. The good news for employees is that that's fairly rare to see. Employers usually don't have a term like that. You know, maybe one in, you know, 50 or 75 contracts yeah. have, have that. Not very common, but you can absolutely have that in there. So another good reason for employees, if you're accepting a job offer, Look beyond just what the salary is or how many weeks vacation you get. Take a look. Is there a term in that agreement that allows the company to put you on a temporary layoff? If there is, that's a huge problem. 
That means you could be working for a few weeks, be off for a few weeks, back and forth. Not a good thing, but good news is for most employees, that's just not the case. Yeah, it's funny. It's, you just mentioned that too. It's it's almost so rare that it, that might be one of those things that you could negotiate out of an offer if you're if you're wanted by a prospective employer. Guys, can we just get rid of that piece of uh, legislation? Though? Yeah, okay. What, you know what I mean? It's it's probably rare enough you could probably pull that off. Maybe you absolutely can. You can yeah. negotiate pretty much any permanent employment agreement. Certainly with respect to layoffs, uh, I have always said the employment agreement one of the most important documents that you can ever sign. So you really have to get it checked out before you just uh, write your name on the dotted line. Hey, welcome back to it. You bet. Got some time. Toll free. one 399 In between the calls, we'll get back to our uh, mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better. So we're helping you out in that regard, especially if you're an employer. But Wayne, got to get to you first. Thanks for hanging on. How are you? Good. Thank you. You bet. What's on your mind? Okay. we. Uh, I'm part of a group that's been uh, given three weeks leave of absence with pay. At the end of that time, we were put on unpaid leave of absence uh, about five weeks ago. Is there a point where, like you say, that you can say enough's enough and treat it as a termination? Now, Wayne, are you part of a union? No, I'm not. No. So, Wayne, your employer does not have a right to put you on an unpaid leave, meaning as soon as that happened, once they put you on the unpaid leave, you can choose to treat that as a termination. You don't have to wait uh, five weeks, you don't have to wait five days, you can simply choose to treat the leave as a termination of employment. Uh, And so really the choice that you make is, do you wanna keep your job and hope that at some point things change and they'll call you back to work? I have no way of knowing how long that may be if it does even happen. Or you can choose to treat that as a termination now and say enough is enough and get severance. Now, Wayne, let's talk a bit about how much severance you would be owed just so that you can make an informed decision. Uh, How long have you been there? Just over 17 years. Okay. And what kind of a job, Wayne, and how old are you? I'm 73. Uh, Yeah, I was 72 when this happened, but I'm 73 now. And... uh, I have a a job that's kind of to do with projects. It's uh, yeah, I, I had like a, like a, like a project job. manager, like a project manager, maybe. No, I'm not a manager, but I work for a manager. Okay, so in your situation, you're looking at right around twenty to twenty-two months of severance. So obviously, it's a substantial amount of compensation that you're owed. Uh, your your colleagues probably have substantial amounts of their own. So ultimately, as I said, you have to make that decision about do you get severance or do you just hope and that at some point you're back to work. If you choose to get severance, I want you to call me in the office. We can get the process started so that you can get paid quickly. Uh, happy to talk to you if that's what you want to do. Well, I think I'm tired of waiting and I've lost confidence in the company over this. So, yes. What? Okay. I, I, I called in just a few minutes ago, so I don't know your your company name or your lawyer firm. What is that and the phone number? I'm going to give it to you uh, right now, Wayne, and it's a perfect recipe to make that call when you've waited too long and you're fed up. Here you go. Uh, Sam Firu to Mark, and I'll give you the number, and it's easier for you to just to write this down and continue on. one 821 5900 Again, brother, one 821 
821-5900, and you can email uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And uh, continue on. The uh, very common sentiment from Wayne, I've waited too long. I'm tired of waiting. I want to pull the plug. Smart move. Well, it's it's easier to wait if you know that there's an end date. So if yeah. the employer says, we're, we're going to put you on an unpaid leave for the next six weeks, eight weeks, ten weeks, you're not going to be happy, but at least there's something to look forward to and you can you know, maybe see the light at the end of the tunnel. But if it's an indefinite leave, well, we're putting you on a leave and are we going to call you back? When we're going to call you back? On what terms? We have no clue. It makes it really difficult to wait. It makes it really difficult to just accept that. And that's why so many people are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't work for me. Let me get my severance and move on. So yeah, he can do that. You can do that as well at home. If you're on an unpaid leave because of the vaccine or frankly for any other reason, if you're on that unpaid leave, you can choose to say enough. I'm treating this as a termination, getting my severance and moving on. Still got some minutes if you want to make that call and uh, get educated, right? Toll free, one 9898 But the topic we had today is uh, mistakes employers make, but they uh, just don't realize or they don't know any better. That's why they keep making them. Next one on the list is this, terminate employees, but don't provide notice of termination in writing. Break that down for us. So an employer can avoid um providing uh, severance, avoid giving severance if it gives sufficient notice. So if an employer owes you six months severance, as an example, what they can do instead is give you six months notice. We're telling you today that six months from now, we're letting you go. As long as an employer gives sufficient amount of notice, they don't have to pay severance at the end. But to give notice, you have to do it in writing. You have to have uh, a written uh, letter to the employee directly addressed to them with a specific and clear end date. If you're just calling Bob and saying, hey, Bob, uh, telling you that six months from now we're letting you go, see you later, that's not good enough. That notice is not effective, and you're going to still have to pay severance. So a lot of employers don't know better. They don't know that they have to provide notice of termination in writing. So for you as an employee, if your employer gave you notice of termination that's not in writing, that's verbally, for example, uh, you know, in person or on a Zoom call, that notice does not count. It does not reduce your severance entitlements. So that's definitely, definitely something employees and employers want to keep in mind. Can an employer, I guess this is directed more of a smaller employer, can they do a hybrid of both? You know, God, I owe this guy a year. How about I give him six months severance and six months notice just to lighten the load on myself a bit? Absolutely. The amount of notice that the employer gives, the amount of advance notice the employer gives, Mm -hmm. counts towards severance. So if you're owed 12 months severance, you got six months notice of termination, the employer has to make up that difference and pay you an additional six months pay when employment comes to an end. So they can do that. Uh, but of course, as I said, it has to be in writing. Have you found this to be a very common thing, Lior? I mean, I mean, if, if, if I were an employer and I was giving somebody because I had to let them go, I owe them, I talked to you, it says, now nah, you got to give the guy a year's severance. I go, oh, I know, I'll, I'll give him written notice that in a year from now, he no longer has a job. I'm sensing uh, a less than uh, responsive employee for the next 365 days. I don't know if I'd want to go that long. Yeah, for sure that, you know, it's very rare to see long notice like this. I mean, a couple of months, sure. 
Uh, but to see notice for a year, I've certainly seen it. But it's it's rare. It, it is quite rare for the reasons that you said. An employer is not going to think and feel that that's going to be a healthy work relationship. They're not going to feel that the employee is going to work too hard. So I don't see that often. But even if it's a couple of months, you know, that two months, if given in writing, can reduce the employer's severance obligations. If it's not in writing, hey, it doesn't exist. Let's get to one more of these, and this is mistakes employers make because they just don't know any better. They don't take the time to ensure that their employment agreements are enforceable. How about that one? So an employment agreement is an extremely important document. It's important for employees. It's important for employers. Now, for an employee, you're better off not to have an employment agreement. You're better off to start a job on a handshake, uh, you know, go to the coffee shop, write something on the back of a napkin. That is far, far, far better than having a 10-page employment agreement. The employment agreement benefits the employer and only the employer. The reason for that is there's all kinds of rights that employees have, and an employment agreement can take it away. So... An employment agreement is good for the employer, but a lot of employers don't actually make it enforceable. They either don't draft it properly, they get a template off the internet and hope that that's good enough, Uh, they have the employees sign the agreement after they've already started working, when, again, at that point, it's not uh, enforceable, there's no consideration for it. So there's all kinds of ways and all kinds of reasons where employers have a proper employment agreement, but it's not enforceable. So... It's a mistake that employers make, but for the employees, hey, if you're being asked, if you're already working and your employer wants you to sign a new employment agreement, uh, run far, run fast. It's bad news. Don't do it. Let's talk before you ever even consider signing that document. And that will pretty much do it for another afternoon. Appreciate all your phone calls and correspondence. Uh, You can continue to reach out to Lior and his team. No problem. That phone number always used, 1-855-821. 5900 again, 1 821 5900. Email always help at employmentlawyer.ca. The free and anonymous website built just to educate you even further, even before the phone call, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. And if you simply go to employmentlawyer.ca, the firm website, you'll see contact there. And under the media tab, you'll be able to catch episodes of our TV show as well. So take advantage of that, and we'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show.